0: Welcome to the Gig Boss Podcast, a show about artistry and industry and music. My name is Adam Meckler and it's my mission to get you the tools to have a thriving career. And I just got off a call with Kevin McLeod. Man, this was such an interesting conversation. Kevin runs a site called Incompetech.com and in a world where we're like constantly trying to figure out how to monetize things, how to get money for the things we're doing, Kevin has been giving all of his stuff away for free since the 90s. He's just been making music and creating a royalty-free library where he's getting his stuff published uh, with licenses that are common... What does he call it? Creative Commons licenses. And it's really fascinating because, because of giving his music away for free, of course, he's removed the barrier between the listener and the music maker... When there's a barrier of you have to pay for this in order to listen to it, I guess even as simple as like 10 bucks a month on Spotify, which is mostly how people listen now, or Apple Music. But, you know, when we're talking about buying merch, buying CDs, or buying vinyl as well, it's like it creates a barrier between those who can afford something like that and those who can't. And just giving things away for free, it's like, you know, Kevin's somebody who believes in that like open source software, open source music kind of world. That's a that's a whole world that I know exists that I'm not really... I wouldn't say I'm personally a part of that world, but it's really fascinating to me. And because of that, Kevin has had an incredibly successful career. His site was visited millions and millions of times per month for a period of time. Now there's probably hundreds of thousands of people listening uh, visiting his site per month that just go there to grab his music and use his music in their videos on YouTube. And as I imagine... The YouTube craze continues to grow and home creators, uh, people who identify as creators first and maybe artists second or musician creator, creators or creators who are also musicians are going to his site and using his music as background music in their educational videos or in their, you know, whoever. I mean, we're talking anybody People who do, like, BMX biking could use his music in their videos. Anybody, anybody that does anything can use it. It's all completely royalty-free. Uh, really fascinating how he's made his money. And, uh, I mean, he's utilized Patreon, of course. But in a real small way, I mean, he really kind of... When we talked about Patreon, as you'll hear, he kind of sweeps it under the rug a little, like it's no big deal. But the amount of money he makes on Patreon would be game-changer for any independent artist, so the whole thing is really fascinating to me. I think you're going to love this interview. It's a quick one. Uh, it's with Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. The link is in the description for Incompetech.com. So definitely check that out. There's a lot of great resources if you want to get your music into the public domain. If you want to get your music uh, a license, a Creative Commons license, he coaches you through how to do all that. There's resources for AI. I mean, he's like fully embracing AI. It's like really fascinating. Totally different than what you hear from a lot of artists who are like, like have this like real moral uh, opposition to what's happening with AI right now. Kevin's like, use my whole library and train your AI, you know? It's like, this is all royalty-free music. You, you having struggles with training your AIs with royalty music? Use royalty-free music. Uh, so I, I really think you're going to dig this. Uh, quickly, I want to tell you about the Gig Boss app. The Gig Boss app is continuing to grow and get better, and we really appreciate you all checking it out and using it and giving us feedback. It's free on iOS and Android. You can create groups. You can create events. You can tag groups to events. You can see all the details of the events once you submit. People can accept or decline gig invites via email. We've got a photography company using it to organize all of their freelancers. We've got a dance company using it, and we've got tons of musicians all over the world. We've got people emailing me from Australia and from Europe and from Latin America and from the United States trying to get access to it, trying to use it. Uh, And it's really great. It's fun to see everybody uh, checking it out. Download it. Use it to organize your gigs. It's a great tool for organizing your stuff. All the past gigs live on forever. You can go to your past gigs tabs and see everything you made throughout the course of the year when tax time comes, which is coming now, unfortunately. Feels like it comes too fast every year. Anyways, without further ado, this is my interview with Kevin McLeod. I hope you enjoy it. Kevin, it's nice to meet you. How are you doing? <laughs> do, do, uh-huh. Doing great. Awesome. So where are you located? Are you in New York still?
1: Uh, I just moved to Tampa, Florida.
0: Tampa, Florida. Nice. Yeah. And this is like the work that you do, you can be anywhere. Are you are you a player too? Are you somebody who like performs?
1: I, I haven't performed in many, many years. Uh, yeah. But
0: um, yeah, obviously you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we know some of the same people. How did you come to meet James and and Brian Teo and all those folks in New York?
1: Uh, I was um, when I lived in New York, I was roommates with Brian Teo for about eight years, I think.
0: Oh, wow. okay. So we we hung around uh, quite a lot together. Cool. And what uh, can you tell me a little bit about your background and like coming up? What did you do going through school and things? Did you study music in school?
1: yeah in uh, in college I studied um, music education okay and uh, and then I immediately got a job as a computer programmer so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah education that's a tough road and I know a lot of people who have met now like especially have made the jump from i was just talking to james hall about this from you know going to a coding boot camp or something and becoming a and becoming a computer programmer yeah. did you is that something you always did like through high school were you messing with computers and learning oh, to code yeah. and things like that on kind of on your own that was like something you taught yourself
1: yeah like from sixth grade on you know yeah coming wow. back from the commodore 64 days yeah okay and then uh yeah the, then the internet hit and i was i was on board that and the the local ISP saw what I'd done and like hey we need some people I'm like well that's way better money than actually teaching and I don't even like children that much so but yeah ma'am yeah it it gave me a really um looking back on it it was really useful to like go through those semesters of learning brass learning woodwinds mm-hmm. um because, you know, once you know how to play a clarinet a little bit, it helps you in writing for clarinet a lot.
0: Sure. Sure. And so when you're um, I want to get in uh, to your music making and, and maybe a little more of the nitty gritty. But are you like playing some of the instruments that you learned while you were in school on your recordings or is everything done sort of like MIDI style with keyboards? And stuff almost like everything is MIDI.
1: Yeah. Every now and again, I'll there's a there's a live one in there um like things that have been notoriously difficult to do in midi um saxophones accordions uh banjos
0: right right yeah saxophone sounds those saxophone sounds are not great (laughs) i mean i'm a brass player and i always feel the same way about trumpets but now it's like i've heard some some brass that is pretty convincing and i'm like man this is yeah I'm gonna lose, start losing my recording, my my remote recording jobs to MIDI trumpets that can scream higher notes than I can. <laughs> I,
1: I I have a couple of those libraries, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's talk about in Like, how how did this come about? You you go and you get a degree in music education. You start working as a computer programmer. When did you start to create royalty free music, or what was the Impetus for the idea behind royalty-free libraries. The um, So,
1: like, through college, I was doing, like, some composition for the theater people, and I was in uh, improv group and performing there pretty regularly mm. and um, just writing a bunch of stuff. And I'd thrown some stuff online. This is back in the way early days. And then uh, a, uh, a director emailed me and said, hey, do you want to score my film? And I said, sure. And then I went <laughs> on to Amazon and bought a bunch of books on how to score films, yeah, yeah. Uh, did some tests, and um, got a lot of cues rejected, just like mm. a lot. And uh, yep. I'm like, well, these are perfectly fine. They're just not fine for this movie. So I started putting my failures online, not telling people that they were
0: failures, but sure, interesting.
1: <laughs> and then um yeah, cuz it doesn't hurt me, you know, they didn't they didn't need it, they didn't want it, but somebody else might have and that started taking off and so I just started following up by making things purely for uh for people online. And so you didn't charge for this. No. Well, I mean, I charged to do the movie, but
0: Right, right. But for when you started to offer your music online, it just became like, hey, let's let's open source this. I mean, I know there's like a whole community of people that believe in open source software and that like everything should be free. Is like, are you one of those people? Is that, is that how you feel about music? Like music should be free. Like, let's go. Let's get everything up there. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: Uh, more in that camp than anyone I know.
0: So what, why, why are you in that camp? Like what, I know that you've been able to, I mean, it seems like you've been able to make a living anyway, or, or like in other ways. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about how you did that, but like, w- like why, why should everything be free? Why do you feel that way about music?
1: The, well, I mean, if you want to charge for your stuff, that's fine. The, the reason that I do it is because every time you put a barrier in front of someone, mm. it, uh, like halves the number of people Who can listen to it You know if you can only listen to the album If you purchase it No one is going to hear your stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. So if you make art That is meant to affect the emotions Of other people You mm. want it to have the opportunity To affect as many people as possible mm. And you can't get better than free um, <laughs> And it seems to have worked
0: it seems to have worked so are you are you making music that you feel is is art or are you making music that you are sort of intending as music for function like people to use in their youtube videos or is it both
1: i yeah i i don't know if there's a difference between the two
0: okay you yeah. know
1: it's like oh this is art music well maybe that just means it's bad music you know <laughs> like
0: not a lot of people Nobody are going to listen hear it, yeah. to this <laughs>
1: yeah um, sure yeah i've I've definitely put out some pieces that are uh of questionable use and uh nobody uses them and nobody likes them so we just i stopped doing that so
0: interesting yeah it's like you know it's it's like I interface with so many people and my and myself i'm like I'm an artist I make this beautiful music, but lately I've been more like hey, where is the intersection between the music I want to make and the music people want to hear. And how can I kind of find that balance? And I talked to a lot of people that are like, no, fuck that, man. Let's only, I'm only making music that I want to make. And in some ways I admire that. And other ways I'm like, how is that sustainable? Like how, how can you, like, how can we, we're expecting the same 100 people to back our Kickstarters and the same 100 people to buy our records if we're asking people to buy, like you said, like creates this barrier between, the music and the people, which I get, like, I totally get that. And that feels more real now than, than ever. It's like, I started my career in 2008 when like buying CDs was still pretty normal. Right. But then it became like Napster really quickly. I mean, I remember sitting, I've told the story plenty of times, but I remember sitting in my, we had this upstairs computer, the family computer and my brother was at the computer downloading all this music. And I was like, what are you You know, I had Napster up. Yeah. What are you doing? How are you doing this? You know, it's like, Oh my God. I, I guess let's make some mixtapes on mini discs. You know, we have little mini disc players. Yeah. Mini um, disc. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, that's like, it's like that, that does feel more real now that it's like, let's then, then the question is how do you, how do you make a living? How, how is that sustainable? Do you do some other kind of work that sustains the music making or have you found a way to make, in income, I, mean, I see there's ads on in right? Your site, right? And you got people visiting there, so I imagine there's some like click, like pay per click kind of ads. Yep. Some,
1: yep. Back in back in the days where you, you can make money off of, uh, you know, Google AdSense, I did that for. Right. Well, I, I, there's still ads. I'm considering pulling ads off the site because I don't need them anymore. Huh. Um, and it it does cause confusion with some users, but like, eh, I mean, it's kind of like free money, so. Might as well keep it going. Yeah,
0: Right. That's really interesting. You know, I, I was, I've been, I've been going through your site a little bit I and mean, it's really interesting It's all these topics. It's like, I keep hearing people like, don't embrace AI. And you're like, here's my whole library. Use my library to, to train your AI. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I, I kind of love that. That like full embracing of like, let's go. You can't use royalty music. So here's my royalty free music. Yeah. So let, let's talk about AI a little bit. Like what's your how do you interface with ai are you using ai at all when you create music and i mean obviously you support it
1: yeah i do support it um there's very little out there that is super useful right now yeah um the only thing that i have in my current production stack is uh i think google magenta with their tone Mm -hmm. transfer so that you can you can play in a line at whatever instrument you're comfortable with, and then just push a button, and now it's a saxophone. Now it's a trumpet.
0: Interesting tone transfer. Man, I'm I'm, I'm taking notes here. I'm a, yeah, that's cool. I hadn't heard that yet. Uh, there's some new there's some new things coming up
1: um, which haven't been released yet. Uh, I've been talking with the people over at Google and uh stable diffusion and a couple other ai places Mm -hmm. so uh, it doesn't look like much right now but i think by the end of the year it's going to be a pretty interesting landscape
0: well these things learn fast like i remember reading an article i don't know it was from maybe 2020 or 2019 or something about an ai that created like a beatles-esque kind of song yeah and the and the program was like this you know, this technology basically stinks. It's not working at all. And like, they were talking about art generators too. Like, eh, it's not very good. And now it's like, man, the image (laughs) generators are rad. Like they they seem really cool. And like, they're really like, you know, obviously the new um, Lenza app thing really blew up in popularity. uh, And people would upload their own images and then it would spit out a whole bunch of images of them. And I immediately was like, yo, album covers. Like this is like a huge... (laughs) route for artists to be able to create a whole bunch of especially since we're releasing singles a lot now. Yep. So you need that's new, yes new art for yeah sorry. I
1: absolutely use the image generators for that. Mm-hmm. Um they're they're good um I mean they're easier to get a hold of than an actual artist.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah and I, I saw there was another one that you use I found it on your website. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting where you just explain what the kind of music is and you kind of try to separate it. You were explaining how to use it. Oh, music catalog available for any eye training. No. Hmm. Have you tried doing it? I don't remember what article it was, but it was, it was one of them <laughs> I've been surfing your web, website. Man, this is great. This is great stuff. Obviously, we'll link this in the show notes for the show. So anybody that wants to check out in Compotech.com can find all these resources. Um but yeah, these these image generators they seem to be game changer, yeah. uh, in a lot of ways.
1: Um, yeah, I, I've even been using um, like Chat GPT to help with descriptions.
0: Right, right. I've been thinking about doing that for the podcast. It's like here's yeah. Uh, so what when you use Chat GPT, do you do you feed them a link and they? Like, watch what you did, or you just describe what it was? I
1: I describe what it was, and then I'll ask it for, like, okay, you know, here's the kind of thing. Where would this kind of music be used most frequently? And I was like, oh, maybe it'll be in a real estate thing. Maybe it'll be a short comedic piece and Mm. generate some things and then, you know, call it down to the things that I think work. Okay. Um, But, yeah, just generalized idea. Um, A lot of times when you upload uh, music, they ask for, like, tags uh, to describe the metadata. does a pretty good job of uh, generating enough of those to make your music findable. Oh, man, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah, generating tags. This is why I did this podcast, man, so I can learn all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Uh, ChatGPT, right, generating tags. Uh, yeah, cool, man. That's, uh, this is all just like, this is, this is just such a great, I feel like we're at this this moment in time where these things are just going to start to explode and it's kind of changing the whole landscape. You mentioned on your site that like, it's still so uncommon to have royalty free music available for people to just use in their videos that there's a lot of skepticism. So you actually provide like a route for people to get a, what is it? Is it a copyright license that allows that that shows that it's free, that it's royalty free? Uh,
1: so I use a lot of uh, Creative Commons licenses. Okay. Um, I th- I th- honestly thought Creative Commons. I mean, it's it's big, but I thought it was going to be bigger than it is. Because mm. I used to have my own license before the Creative Commons came out, and I'm like, oh, we'll just use this. It's standardized. Everyone understands it. No, they don't. Uh, <laughs> and yeah it's like really uncommon in like Poland and Germany and places like that mm. so uh but i'm sure yeah it's it's the best we got uh, sure. um that that does things and um yeah i recommend that everyone use the creative commons things but a lot of people use like the non commercial only uh one and i'm like Hmm. that stops so many people who have been taught to be so careful. It's like, well, if I make a YouTube video and run ads on that, is that commercial? Now I can't use your stuff.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, so non-commercial only excludes a lot of YouTube. I mean, I monetize my YouTube channel so then I couldn't use non-commercial only theoretically, or there would create some confusion. In yeah, the it least. does
1: create confusion. Maybe you can, is that commercial? Right. You're going to go to, you're going to get sued for it. You know, you don't want that.
0: Yeah. Right. So how many people do you have visiting incompetech.com com like on a monthly basis? Is it, is it crazy? Are you experiencing like crazy numbers with people downloading your catalog?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's in the hundreds of thousands a month. Wow. It used to, it used to be like one to 2 million but that was a while ago.
0: Yeah. 1 to 2 million a month. Yeah. That is nuts. That was
1: yeah, definitely enough money to live on. Yeah.
0: Holy smokes. And then you you've also developed like a whole Patreon. Is your Patreon mostly I mean, I don't know if you know this about the demographics of the people who who give to your Patreon, but is your Patreon mostly people who use your music in their YouTube videos or those people that are like, oh, "I'll come in at 2 bucks a month or Whatever, you know, it seems like it's a pretty, I mean, for like a DIY artist anyway, what you're making on Patreon would be a pretty significant chunk of change monthly to to be able to rely on.
1: Yeah, I don't, um I don't push Patreon, but when people ask me, like, if they want to donate to me, it's there. Yeah, like, okay. You don't want to make it hard for people to give you money. Right, So right. I. It's not... Um, It's not a big uh, percentage of what I'm doing, but it's it's nice to have. And then there's like a little bit of a back channel um, available to people who do that. Um, Sure. Not much. Most people just leave me alone and I do
0: my thing and get their
1: five bucks and they feel good and I feel
0: good and everyone's happy. Are you creating any content that's specifically for Patreon? Are you just like, no. all my stuff's always free. Here it is. Yep. All the stuff's always free. You don't even get it soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and, and people, I mean, it's like, it's so interesting because I've seen so many Patreons where it's like you get all this extra stuff and people have a lot of trouble getting people to support their stuff. And just like you just giving your stuff away for free. People are like, how can I support you? Let me let me give you some money every month. Right. You know, man, it's fast. It's really it's so backwards to to how I've been trained to think, and it's kind of like dude, looking through your site, which is blowing my mind, man. I was just like, <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> just created. Do, do you do stuff like for sync licensing? Are you are you making money in that way? Are you doing anything of on that side of things? Sync licensing, movies.
1: Um, my stuff definitely gets used in movies. It definitely gets used in TV shows. It definitely gets used a lot of places. Um, you know, just because I'm giving it away for free in the U S doesn't mean that I don't get paid like from Europe and other places where it's like not possible to give away your music. Okay. The the creation in Germany, like it's considered an inalienable, right? So, you know, my music is on so many YouTube videos that like whenever they get played on you know, television stations in England, Germany, most of Europe, South America.
0: I get paid from that. So they they don't allow you to give music away for free over there. Correct. Whoa. I I can you know it makes sense. Like there's a lot more. And now I don't know how I feel about it, but there's a lot more like artist rights, yeah, kind of things going on over there. You know where they have whatever else you know unemployment for artists and things if you're not making enough money you know it's like things that we don't have here in the states right uh i mean obviously we have like military bands and things but like the government sponsored bands over there are like really robust and yeah people are making big money yeah man that's really uh this is just a cool i mean it's such, such an interesting thing for me to to pick your brain about so what like what are you working on right now are you just working on music is that all you do do you Do you have another gig? Are you still computer programming? Uh,
1: No, it's just music. Um, And uh, so, like, the next thing that I'm working on right now is, well, I mean, like, I hired a couple, uh, like, game developer people and 3D modelers and stuff like that. Um, I've got a new site coming up called Jane Cass Music. Jane Cass Music. (laughs) Um, And... uh, what we're doing there is uh, 3D modeling uh, instruments and, like, mouthpieces. Cool. So, like, you know, you need an extra, I don't know, like, super deep trumpet mouthpiece. I mean, you can pay 120 bucks for one, or you can uh, get the Jane ass one.
0: Yeah, and right. And uh, print
1: it out <laughs> at, at, your, uh, at your school or library for free.
0: So you're you're providing them the design because there's like a, a file you can download, yep. right? Or or like a thing to that you put into the machine and then it prints it yep. out with all the specs and things. Yeah. So my students, I I work at Michigan Technological University and I run the jazz program here, and my students are all engineering majors. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them build their own 3D printers as a part of their degrees. And then they print, like because they're musicians, they're printing saxophone mouthpieces and trumpet mouthpieces. So I've got some like that are pretty convincing. I'm like, man, this is not. Bad and considering that, like yeah. Kelly mouthpieces, made a whole line of pieces that are all plastic. It's like, why not? Yeah, yeah. It, are 3D printers going to ever print anything that's not plastic? Is is it going to be metal pieces at some point? Is that already happening? Oh, oh yeah,
1: yeah. They've, I I think they predate the plastic ones. You know? Oh like really? Laser sintering and there's all sorts of many many things that do metal 3D printing.
0: Okay. So the plastic one is just the one that's maybe more accessible and cheaper for... Yes, yeah,
1: the one you can pick up at Home Depot. Right. As opposed to how, like, spending, you know, fifty hundred thousand dollars
0: 100000 for a metal one. Right, right. So how how long before do you think we're going to have like 3D printers in our houses? Like everybody, like in the same way that we have paper printers in our house
1: um you have a paper printer still in your
0: house man uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, well i've been leading an 18 piece big band for 10 years so oh. i've printed out my my music. i have probably moved to ipads but yeah uh
1: yeah i don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon um but they're going to be available at libraries and schools and you know people have access it's like one of those rarely used things it's like how many
0: mouthpieces do i really Am, I, am yeah. I making
1: thousands of these things? Probably not.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I've got one student with a gigantic case of mouthpieces, and I'm like, dude, you got a problem. <laughs> I, did, you, I did not know that was a thing. You've got a problem. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's obsessed. I mean, the gearheads, trumpet players especially. I don't know what What, what was your primary instrument when you were playing?
1: Um, clarinet, trumpet, piano.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, the trumpet players can be real gearheads that's not that's not uh that's not how i identify personally Mm. but uh but man they can mouthpiece collection and that to me like that's a losing battle it's just like you're constantly changing mouthpieces you're never going to get used to anything and you're never going to be good at music well but hey if uh sometimes generating all
1: our music really narrow like like for certain notes and certain effects you're going to need a like a deep one or a shallow one or whatever
0: yeah, Absolutely. totally. I have, you know, it's like for me, I have two and it's like a, a deepish one and then a shallow one, like one for funk and R and B and Latin music. And then one for kind of like small group jazz. And if I ever play classical music again, classical music, but uh, cool, man. So if somebody wanted to get started creating royalty free music and, you know, they still want to make money but want to offer their music for free what like what what is the route that you would suggest they take
1: um i i've been getting a lot of people coming to me is like hey i've got this catalog uh and i just want people to hear it Hmm. how like can you put these on your site i'm like no (laughs) But I can tell you how to publish these things into the public domain. I have there's an article I have on it on my site right now about yeah. Here's the best way to do it. You know, get um, you know, upload it to Pixabay, upload it to
0: you know wherever. That's right, Pixabay. So what 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 is Pixabay's role in all of that? Uh, I I saw that on your site, but I've never I've never been there before. uh,
1: Pixabay was what I used to use before the AI came out. Uh, Because it offers public domain, like, stock images. Mm. Like, Shutter stock, but free and good. Um, Hmm. And, yeah, so, like, I use a thing, you know, and then buy them a coffee afterwards. Like, you give me the product first, and then I'll throw you some money. And that seems to be pretty common. Wow. So... Uh, they a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, they started doing uh, public domain music distribution there. Okay. Um, and they're also doing like you know video stock video things now too. Uh, they've just been around for a while. They're a known name in the uh, creative community, and they have a pretty decent uh, way to find music. Cool. so will that awesome. be the same next year who knows but right now right that's probably the best way to do it to get it out there to get some people listening to it to your stuff Hmm.
0: and it seems like yeah it seems like if it changes you're probably going to write about it on your site it seems like all that stuff is very up to date yeah. on what's happening um so if somebody is in incompetech.com the best place to find you if somebody wanted to find you absolutely okay awesome i don't need to take any more of your time and i feel like we usually i talk for an hour with people but man it's like we've covered a lot of ground and uh it's just it's so fascinating to hear your perspective on royalty-free music i'm definitely my my brain is spinning a little bit uh oh. and it's been really fun to surf your site i suggest anybody listening go check out incompetent incompetech.com i'll link it in the show notes here so you can check that stuff out lots of great resources uh Kind of like coachings on how to get your stuff published in various different places, royalty-free. Check that stuff out. Kevin, thanks for spending the time, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Hey, thanks for listening to my conversation with Kevin. If you dig the show, please go over to Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and write us a little review. That's going to help us show up in other people's feeds on Apple Podcasts. Wherever you're listening, if you hit like, you like the show, follow the show, follow us on Spotify, all the places that you're listening, on YouTube, hit like and hit subscribe. That's going to help us as well. It's going to help us grow. We really appreciate you listening. I want to tell you again about the Gig Boss Podcast Facebook page, which is where we are constantly discussing a lot of these really central issues to music business and artistry. And you can head over there request to join the page i'll confirm it and then you can get in on some of those great conversations that are happening there and hey check out the gig boss app the gig boss app is free on ios and android and it's a way for you to organize your busy freelance and band-leading music careers thanks for listening see you in the next one. Oh, and one more thing this is kevin's music that you're listening to it's straight from incompetech.com he suggested i use the jazz one because i'm a jazz guy he used all MIDI instruments. He used a MIDI saxophone and then ran through the tone generator made by Google Magenta to change it into a more realistic-sounding tenor sax. And I'd say it sounds pretty good. Though maybe the language is a bit lacking in the saxophone playing.